from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe, from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron, for three for the win, yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. Alongside my co-host, Corbin Ford, I am Garrett Bougay. And uh, before we get into this week's episode, just wanted to uh, to uh, apologize for not having episodes the last couple of weeks. I've been uh, crazy busy going on uh, multiple trips and, of course, Thanksgiving. So uh, apologize for, for not having any uh, any uh, Duncan Dynasty for you recently. But uh, this uh, this episode, will get it kick-started again and... Uh, We'll, uh, we'll be bringing you a lot of content here in the coming weeks and months as uh, we're, we're at the quarter mark of the, uh, the current NBA season. And so Corbin and I decided uh, that at this point, it would be a fun exercise to sort of go back into our tiers and, and figure out where we feel about these, uh, these teams. And uh, Corbin, uh, of course, thanks for, thanks for coming on and joining me. And uh, how you been? Dude, I have been good. Been a busy, kind of crazy little run with the NBA season and everything that comes with that. But I'm excited to kind of be here with you always and and, and breaking down these NBA teams. It's it's always a pleasure to be back on Duncan Dynasty. I've missed this a ton. Uh, I'm sure the listeners have as well. Like, let's let's get started. All right. So uh, as we typically do with our our tiers, we've got we've got all 30 teams separated into five different categories. The first category being title favorites. Second category being being title contenders, then dangerous playoff teams. The fourth tier being playoff hopefuls, and the final tier being lottery bound. And uh, we're going to work our way from the bottom up here. And uh, Corbin, I've got seven teams in this lottery bound category. How many do you have? Uh, looking at it, I have the same. All right, so I'm I'm just going to list mine off, and we'll see if we uh, we have any disagreements here. Uh, so, and again, uh, just for, uh, for reference, for anyone listening, I have these ranked within the tiers, but, you know, given that they're in the same tier, I could obviously see the argument for, uh, you know, putting, uh, putting them in any particular order. But, uh, if I have them in a different tier, then I, I feel like there's a pretty strong argument for, uh, them being above some of these other teams. But, uh, the seven teams I have in this lottery round category, the Sacramento Kings at the top, then it's the New Orleans Pelicans, the San Antonio Spurs, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Houston Rockets, the Detroit Pistons, and finally the Orlando Magic. Um, yeah, I think I have, well, you said the Timberwolves, right? I do not have the Timberwolves in this category. I actually have them, uh, I have them. A higher. Okay. I have them in here. Um, so I did, um, the Spurs, Pistons, Timberwolves, Pelicans, Magic, Rockets, Thunders. So I think everything else. Okay. So, um, did you have the, did you have the Kings and Pelicans? Uh, I have the Pelicans. I do not have the Kings. Okay. So essentially we've swapped out Minnesota and Sacramento. So there we go. Yep. um, I guess for, 
for Minnesota, you know, the, the, the thing that's sort of kept them afloat there, I believe 10 and 10 were recording this on a, a Sunday afternoon, the, uh, the Timberwolves seventh in defensive rating Corbin so far this season. And I think a large part of that is due to the fact that Chris Finch has gone with a lot of defensive lineups with uh, Vanderbilt playing a lot of minutes. You know, he's played uh, a Kogi, of course, and they had these lineups where you thought, okay, with D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards, you put another shooter or two around those guys, this, this team will be a top 10 offense and maybe re- be a bottom 10 defense. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of gone the other way where Finch is largely with those three guys. If those three are out there, he's put two defensive-minded guys on the court. And, of course, they have uh, they have Patrick Beverly as well That's uh, that's been giving them some defensive presence. So, um, are you just uh, not a believer in, in the defense, given what uh, sort of lineups Finch is throwing out there? Well, I, I do like that they – I do like um, the way they played so far. I guess two things. One, um, just – and I have to double-check now to make sure of how long, but I do know that Patrick Beverly will be out for a little bit with injury. Um, and I, I guess that's kind of where I'm at in terms of injuries and, like, sustainability here. Like, I just don't know if I'm looking at this going, you know what, like – they are, I mean, I definitely don't think they'll be top 10 defensive through the rest of the remainder of the year, even I'd say by the mid, midpoint of the season. I think right now they're doing really well. Um, and we saw them have like a grinded out game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, what, just yesterday this would have been? A double overtime game that really showed them still, you know, playing hard and, and fighting the entire way through. At the same time, yeah, I guess just long term, I just, I'm not as confident. And I guess that's literally where it lies. Like, um, how long are they going to hold it? Yeah, so Patrick Beverly will be out for at least two weeks with the left abductor strain. So you do lose one defender there on the perimeter. Um, you are having, of course, Jared Vanderbilt's been playing well inspired minutes. You've had some great Carl Anthony Towns minutes. And although he's had some rough shooting performances, I do like the fact that Anthony Edwards has been putting together um, a couple of really good uh, games as well from just rebounding the ball, distributing at a, at a pretty decent clip, um, all of that. But I don't know. I think the next couple of games they have on their schedule are going to be big um, between the Pacers the Wizards, the the Nets, the Hawks, the Jazz, and the Cavs. Uh, the Cavs might be the easy one on the schedule, and the Cavs are no pushover either. So I just don't know if if I like them any more than, you know, a team that is still kind of f- middle of the pack to, like, just below average. If they have one injury to one of their four or five guys who are kind of integral to their process, then, yeah, I can see them just kind of staying here. Yeah, I'll, I'll just make note that uh, I've got the Timberwolves in the playoff hopeful category, but I have them second to last in that tier. So okay, yeah, not, it's, it's right there. I, I would, you know, if I had to, if I had to predict now, I think currently again uh, on uh, on Sunday afternoon they're in seventh in the West standings. Um, if I had to predict, I, I would expect them to to miss out on the playoffs by the end of the year, but. You know, they've shown enough defensively and, uh, you know, they're currently 18th in offense. I would almost imagine maybe by the end of the year that seventh, seventh in defense will slip some and the 18th in offense will will go up some. Um, But, uh, yeah, so make your case for Sacramento, because I have them in the uh, in the lottery bound tier, albeit at the top of the lottery bound tier. But why do you think they they still uh, have a shot at at postseason play? Honestly, I just look at the. I, I'm, I'm hopeful on them. I've been way too hopeful, but it's and for me, it's really just more like they have too talented a roster 
to have to deal with the dysfunction they've had. I mean, they've had some gutsy grinding out games, even with injuries to guys like Harrison Barnes, um, who have been, you know, kind of big to their success, like um, Rashawn Holmes as well. Like they have, have been a, a solid team, I think, um, that have shown some like grit. I think that the coaching change, I, I am also kind of how just having Alvin Gentry instead of, you know, Luke Walton, who just, I don't think was really, you know, just wasn't very solid at all. Um, like I just like the Kings it's, and I, I know that it's like a lot of hoping and praying, but I really thought this year would be their year anyway. And just, like, I mean, they're here to, to break the postseason. I think that you've had some classic Sacramento dysfunction, but I think that the coaching change, um, maybe some changes come to trade deadline, but Buddy Heald's been on a tear. I've liked the way that Darren Fox has started to shape up after just a really rough start the first couple of weeks here. I, I guess the the hope that, you know, the optimism that I have irrationally uh, is is over on, it's it's on Sacramento's side. Yeah, the Kings sitting at eight and twelve currently, but <laughs> don't say that after I say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, a lot of the teams in the West are struggling. Again, I mentioned Minnesota in the seventh spot; they're just ten and ten. So, you know, <laughs> being eight and twelve, you're only a couple of games out from the back end of that uh, Western Conference playoff bracket mm-hmm. at the moment. All they gotta do is chase Minnesota, and I, I think that of all the people to chase, like I chase Minnesota, like that doesn't sound like a very like fearsome attempt, you know. Yeah, but you've got also you've got uh, Denver and the Lakers in there as well, right in that so mix. <laughs> oh, but, Lakers uh, gonna be top five at the end of the year. Anyway, yeah, we're, 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 say uh, that for we're gonna, I'm sure we're gonna have a lengthy conversation about the Lakers here at some. Ooh, <laughs> yes, sir. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think a lot of it comes down to De'Aaron Fox, as you mentioned, started really uh, started really poorly. And uh, if he can pick it up and start playing at an all-star caliber level, like we've seen the last couple of seasons, that, that gives them a chance at the very least. And, and of course they'll need to get the likes of, uh, especially Holmes. I think they, they have been a tire fire when, when uh, Rashawn Holmes has been out of the lineup and he's been, uh, he's been nursing an injury as of late, but uh, yeah, as far as, uh, as far as some of these other teams that we've got in the lottery bout category, I guess one of the ones I wanted to talk about, Corbett, was the Detroit Pistons because I did I, I I'm, I'm surprised they're this bad right now. They're they're uh, they've got a negative 12 net rating, which is second to last in the NBA, just in front of the uh, Orlando Magic. But uh, you know what what exactly have you noticed out of Detroit that's that's uh, causing them to be you know one of the worst teams in the league this season? I mean, you've obviously had disappointing play from Killing Hayes. I think a lot was expected from him this year. After what was kind of seen in the summer league and a little bit in preseason, I think uh, some people started cooling a little bit, myself included, in preseason. But he's not been great. I think, obviously, the loss of Cade Cunningham from the beginning of the year gave the Pistons a much slower start than they would have thought. But also, you've had the regression of a guy in Jeremy Grant, a guy who you know has taken over a fair share of the usage over the last couple of years for the Pistons and just has not been the guy that Detroit is expected um, in terms of efficiency. Like he's still going in terms of volume for sure, but he's shooting sub 40% from the field, barely over 30% from three, you know, averaging 19 points, just four and a half rebounds and two assists. Like there's not really a whole lot there. And for that to be kind of your main guy um, leading the Detroit offensive attack, like it's not super great. 
Yeah. Um, and, and Sadiq Bey as well has really struggled last year oh, yes. around, uh, I think 38% from three that's down to 30% this season. And I think you, uh, uh, you hit the nail on the head in that I was optimistic about their wing play this year with Cunningham, with Jeremy Grant, with Sadiq Bay, and all of those guys and, and mostly Cunningham because he's been absent, but the other two, especially just, you know, have, have really underperformed and disappointed. So, uh, you know, that I thought was kind of the strength of their team. And it's been, you know, uh, a bit of a weakness. And, you know, you mentioned the Killian Hayes as well has not developed as much as uh, as you would like to see. So, uh, yeah, they've been <laughs> they've been they've been really bad. And another team that I think has been has been pretty disappointing. And and Corbin, when I did my league pass rankings with Evan Dial before the season, I actually had this team seventh uh, in league pass rankings, the Houston Rockets. They're unwatchable. Oh my gosh. I, I can't believe I put them that high. I mean, I, I think I was just too excited about all of their young talent, but I didn't I didn't fully grasp how poor of fits all these guys are, but it mm-hmm. is a bit of a mess. Yeah. They, I mean, they haven't been great at all. I was I thought that they'd be a fun team in terms of, you know, you have two young kind of offensive creators that have exciting can shoot the three, you know, have some pop off the dribble in Jalen Green and 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 Kevin Porter Jr. Um, didn't I realize that, of course, when you bring up young players, you're also bringing up turnovers and lots of them, um, almost a third of, of, of their possessions, a game, missed shots as well. Just being a young, inexperienced team, not having a whole lot of continuity. You had some rough season, early season kind of issues with um, Christian Wood in terms of not being part of the offense once he wanted to be. Uh, you have other guys kind of hanging around. Daniel Tice is there for reasons that are unexplained. Uh, you know, <laughs> even when you see him work alongside Christian Wood and like the, the just the not good fit there. You've had Alperin Shangun's like father on Twitter kind of rat- lashing out against like him not being able to be played the minutes he should be. You have John Wall who's complaining about not playing. You know, he's just sitting on the bench basically just for no reason because um, he's not going to get a buyout. He's not getting traded and he's just there. And you have a 3-16 and Rockets team that has been just about as bad as their 3-16 and records indicated. Yeah. Uh, is there is there anybody else out of this group, Corbin, that you wanted to talk about, whether that be an individual player from one of these teams or or just the team as a whole before we move to the next category? Not really. I think Steven Silas has been dealt a bad hand. You know, um, at the same time, I do think he deserves some criticism. Some of his rotations are not very good. Um, some of his his offense, there's been great pieces out there um, about the Rockets and just their play style and the calls they have, how really overly simplified it is. But also, like, if it's if you can't get a side pick and roll, any action from that, then it's ISO. And you know what? Side pick roller is a very common play in the NBA. So it doesn't really take a whole lot of teams that are kind of miffed by that play. Um, you run it a couple times and then that's it. So, um, yeah, I have nothing to say aside from they're just a walking tire fire and it's, it's pretty bad. All right. So let's get to the, uh, the, the playoff hopefuls then. And, uh, I've got 13 teams in this category, Corbin, and, uh, I'll, uh, I'll go from, from top to bottom here. Okay. I've got, uh, I've got the Chicago Bulls. The Denver Nuggets, the Dallas Mavericks, the Los Angeles Lakers, <gasps> the, New- <laughs> the New York Knicks, the Washington Wizards, the Charlotte Hornets, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Portland Trailblazers, the Toronto Raptors, Indiana Pacers, the Timberwolves out of Minnesota, and finally the Cleveland Cavaliers, who in the early going, I, I mean, you know, before the season, I had them clearly as a lottery-bound team, but 
uh, you know, with Evan Mobley, they're, they're 10 and six, they're 0 and four without him. Uh, if, if Mobley plays the rest of the season, it would not shock me if Cleveland is, uh, is competitive there at the, at the bottom of the Eastern conference playoff bracket. Yeah. And these are your playoff contenders. These are my playoff hopefuls. Yeah. Okay. Hopefuls. Okay. Okay. Same word. Yeah. Same yeah, word. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So I have the, okay. <laughs> it's funny. Starting out this year, I had the Warriors as a playoff contender. I'm laughing now. Um, just don't know what I was thinking. Well, I do know what I was thinking. It just wasn't smart. Um, okay. So I have the Blazers, the Lakers. Uh, that's why I feigned shock. I really just put them in this list. They were my contenders until about, well, two days ago. Uh, <laughs> the delusion can only hold on for so long here. We'll get to them uh, sometime here soon. Celtics, Knicks, Nuggets, Clippers, Mavericks, Hawks, Raptors, Pacers, and Wizards. So, um, and the I have the Cavs there as well. So somewhere all in that mix, they're here. I have the Cavs that lower tier. I have them basically in that like playoff like lottery bubble I use, but they're in this mix as well. Okay. So uh, I guess a couple of teams there that uh, I noticed that I've got in a, in the higher tier is you mentioned the Hawks and the Celtics there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about, let's get to the Lakers first and we'll talk about those teams in a bit. Um, okay. So we go. Lakers currently sitting with the 23rd offense and the 23rd defense, Corbin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not, not pretty. Uh, and of course, you know, LeBron has missed some time. AD has missed a little time. But, uh, you know, I think one of the things that is pretty evident is that they don't have Alex Caruso and Cadavius Caldwell Pope at the top of their defense anymore. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that has sort of trickled down. And I don't know about you, but I have noticed a lot more incidences of LeBron James being kind of Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James, where, you know, his defense sort of uh, sort of slips to the level of his team. And if his team isn't good, he's not particularly good. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Um, I think some of it's been like, I don't know if, whether it's age-related decline, because he hasn't really, he's taking more of the shots from uh, outside than ever before. And this is the second year in a row that he's kind of done that. Um, his defense, he has not engaged, but I guess you could kind of say it for any of these guys on this roster, like defensively. I mean, even um, you just had um, Anthony Davis, who's just like kind of seemingly uninspired, you know? Um, you've had LeBron gone. You saw Russell Westbrook has had the time to shine to show why he was brought here to keep this team afloat when, you know, LeBron and AD aren't available and it was not very good. You've just had middling performances. Like, it's not been great. You've had, you know, a wake-up call against Detroit that wasn't a wake-up call. Now you're playing Detroit again on the day we record this, and you have won a couple games and lost a couple games, and nothing has changed. Like, this team has no sense of continuity, and I get that, you know, you're missing um, Trevor Reza and um, Kendrick Nunn, but, like, Trevor Reza and Kendrick Nunn, if they were going to be as important as we've been talking about them being, then, like, the Lakers are lost to begin with. Right, and, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I still expect them to make the postseason at this stage, but mm-hmm. if you were to t- like, you know, to, to expect them or to think that they would even have like a 15 to 20% chance of being in the Western conference finals. I think that's a, it's a bit unrealistic right now, given what we've seen. Yeah. It, it just is. It doesn't make any sense at all. And it's, I don't know. I just, I like, who is it? What is it like? I don't know. I don't know. Like in this case, is it, what is the, what is the, who's the culprit? 
You know, is it, is it, do you put it on Frank Vogel for the lineman rotations? Do you put it on the AD for not being the guy that I think we expected him to be? Do you put on LeBron for falling off? Do you put on Russell Westbrook for being the kind of round peg in the square hole? Are you looking at, um, of course, Rob Palenka for putting this team together and letting Alex Crusoe go for basically nothing and, 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 and putting all of your chips on a basket that was already going to be a shaky one to begin with. And like, there's so much to like point the finger to, and we are not even 25 games in the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I would put it mostly on Palenka. I think this roster is just incredibly flawed and there's a complete lack of understanding of like what, what works around LeBron James and, it almost at this point, it's like they just seemingly fluked into putting together a championship roster in that 1920 bubble season because every other year they've had LeBron, it's been perplexing as to the, the guys that they've decided to put around him. And I think another thing that, you know, needs to be stated about, you know, especially that this big three is with LeBron sitting out more games with him you know, dealing with more of these muscle injuries, you're more reliant on Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook to carry you to regular season wins. And while, you know, Russell Westbrook back in, you know, the 2015 to 2017 time period, that was his strength. He's not necessarily, I think, carrying teams to regular season wins at this stage of his career. Mm -hmm. And Anthony Davis dating back to his Pelicans days was never really, he was more of a, he, ramps up his level come postseason and is a big time postseason player, but in the regular season doesn't, you know, have a huge impact on wins and losses. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm with you. Like it doesn't work. I thought that it would. I thought that Russ would be the kind of guy to pick up the level during the regular season. And then, you know, his kind of apathy, his, his weaknesses in the playoffs would be mitigated by, the level of play that LeBron brings, you know, raising his game at the highest level. And I guess to a lesser extent, 82 but right now, just feel like we have multiple guys in multiple wrong times in their career. You know, were this Oklahoma city thunder. Now that wouldn't have worked. Were this like 2017 mellow. Maybe this looks a little better. You know, he's not totally out of his prime. He can run the, he can kind of man the offense for a little bit more like that sort of thing. Like it doesn't look as bad, but it's a mellow who has like performed very admirably given literally everything, but like defensively is what he is. And it's playing very, very heavy minutes. Malik Monk has had moments to shine as well. I've really enjoyed what I've seen from him, but defensively he's been a mess, you know, yeah. like you said, it's just, it's, it, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm in shock. Every game is not no longer a must win as a Lakers fan. Like I don't see a game, especially after you give up 19 and 26 point leads to Oklahoma city thunder, lose both games. When you do that, you, you officially make it so that you are not going to just go past any team. Like every game is must watch and not for the reasons that you want. Yeah. And like, again, I mentioned LeBron sort of slipping on defense. I mean, that, uh, that tends to happen when you've got guys like Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk and Russell Westbrook, who are constantly having breakdowns on that end of the floor. LeBron, you see him pouting and putting his hands up in the air and then, yeah, he, he starts uh, developing those bad habits himself. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been an absolute mess and yeah, without LeBron, obviously the offense has also been a mess, which again, when, if you're playing Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk big minutes, that should be, you know, you should be pretty confident your offense is doing great, but the offense is struggling as well. So it's one of those things where there's, there's multiple things they got to get fixed. And yeah, at this stage, 
you, you mentioned LeBron on the offensive end is settling for, for more and more jump shots, not getting to the rim as much. And I think a big part of that is he's, he's not, uh, he's not got that quick first. He doesn't have that quick first step to get past his guy anymore. And, uh, you know, they don't have the spacing to allow him to post up to, to get to, into the heart of the defense and draw help that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they just don't have a lot of solutions. I don't think. And, uh, it's going to, I think it's honestly going to be a battle for them to even make the playoffs. If they, if they do whoa, not make it, to, I, I mean, I expect the West to, despite the fact that right now the seven through 10 spots are all right around 500. I expect the seven and eight seeds by the time the season is over to be, it's still in that 45 win territory. And uh, that's kind of where I see the Lakers right now is right around that mark. And, uh, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how it goes from here, but uh, it will. Uh, yeah, I say wow because I don't want to say that they're not going to. I don't want to say that they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. But like honestly, like the play will say that for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm with you. I it just it just sucks to say that, but I'm totally with you there. So let's take a look at a couple of the teams sort of at the bottom uh, of the, the playoff picture in the East, and that's the Toronto Raptors and the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers, surprisingly, Corbin, uh, despite being under 500, they've got the ninth best net rating in the NBA at plus 3.3, but uh, they've already lost 3.7 games more than expected given their point. Wow. So, uh, yeah, um, they, they are playing decent basketball, and, and at some point they'll be getting uh, T.J. Warren. And, uh, you know, at least hopefully, you, you would hope he, he comes back at some point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but they're on the outside looking in right now. But, uh, you know, they're a team that I expect to get better as the year goes on. And, and Toronto as well, you know, they were missing Siakam at the start of the season. Then when he came back, it seemed like almost – uh, within a game or two, OG and Anobi went down. So yep. they haven't had their full complement of guys yet. And uh, the Raptors, surprisingly, 12th in offense and just 26th in defense, which I, I thought the Raptors were going to be really strong on the defensive end. And I still expect them to get much better than where they are currently. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are a couple of teams that I still – I like, for the most part, what I've seen from them. And I feel like once they get fully healthy, they'll start to go on a little bit more of a run. I know the uh, the Raptors, uh, as of uh, as of today or on Sunday, they're starting the first of a seven-game homestand. So, so that'll help, I imagine, as well. Yeah, I think for both these teams, finding their footing has been key. You know, guys are turning from injury and then finding your form from there. Um, I definitely was not low on Toronto. I just didn't think they were as – I think they're going to be very good this year. I thought that they kind of be, you know, toward the bottom of the East. They're still trying to figure out kind of where, you know, for one, what it's going to have Bergoran Dragic, who announced that he'll be away from the team indefinitely due to personal matters. Um, and then you've had, of course, trying to um, integrate Pascal Siakam back in the offense. You had Fred Van Bleet, no Janobi taking the lion's share of that, getting the defense at the tune. You know, it's, it's been a season of transition for Toronto. And I figured that it would be, it would remain as such. So I wasn't very, I didn't really have any high expectations on them, but the fact that they're playing better and you're right, they have a nice kind of a relatively softer home schedule. And the fact that they do get to play from there, I think should be helpful as well. Yeah. And uh, there are a couple of teams towards the, towards the bottom end of the West playoff picture that I think are interesting as well. Portland, despite the coaching change, have pretty much a a similar sort of uh, offensive and defensive profile as they've had during the last couple of seasons with Terry Stotts, where they're they're third in offense currently and 28th in defense. 
They've tried to do more of an aggressive defensive scheme, but uh, that hasn't worked. But given, you know, given Lillard's struggles at the start of the year for them to be third in offense, that's that's pretty impressive. And then the Memphis Grizzlies, who were a top 10 defense last year, are currently 30th in the NBA defensively. That That is wow. an absolute shocker to me. Wow. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't aware of that either until you brought that up. That is, uh, wow, that's literally all I have to react to that. Well, and, you know, they um, they replaced Valanchunas with Adams at the center spot, and a lot of people suggested that that was an upgrade defensively. And maybe we have to maybe we have to think of Stephen Adams as a as a below average defensive center at this stage. Maybe, um, which is shocking because Valanchunas definitely has come with the rep that many who supported Valanchunas in New Orleans. Uh, said he would, which I was kind of down on, with, that he would be, yes, a better shooter than um, Stephen Adams, but he didn't really take a whole lot of three-point shooting shots. But, like, uh, color me surprised and color me wrong because Jonas Valanciunas has been that guy. Like, he's been knocking him down the high clip. He's been showing that, you know, he will take a few if left open, and, like, that is a part of his game now. Um, and not just a part of his game, like, he can dabble in it. No, like, you know, you just had Zion Williamson cleared for um, – return like four and four or five and five action meanwhile you have and he's still taking just over two a game but like he's shown the willingness to do that and he's making 46 percent of them like for the season he's 23 or 50 from three like this could be a one-year Aaron Bain type situation uh look at how Aaron Baines was in that last year in Phoenix where he was just like a consistent three-point threat and then it just totally went away in Toronto um but like right now it, it's shaping up to be another unlikely three-point sniper yeah, I, uh, Corbin, I have Jonas Valanciunas in, uh, in my uh, fantasy basketball league. Lucky dog. And I drafted him in like the 10th round and he's been like the second best fantasy center in the NBA. Yes. I told you you would do this too. I did not tell you you would pick like a really fundamentally sound team that would just, I mean, they come through. Yeah. The, the value at your picks, I'm not going to go and just start gloating your, your fantasy team out of jealousy, but Garrett, yes, well done to you. I'm, I'm mad. Um, some people went for that. Some people chose Montrezl. I'm not going to tell you went for Montrezl. <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, after after this week, I'll be six and zero in fantasy basketball. So feeling pretty good about that. I haven't won a game. <laughs> <laughs> but okay let's keep it moving i want to be down in despair my friend <laughs> but, oh uh, man the other thing about memphis's defense that i think is interesting is you know last year they started valanchunas and anderson at the four five right mm -hmm. and so with jackson jr healthy they've started him at the four and brought anderson off the bench and despite the fact that jackson jr has shown some activity as a shot blocker he's nowhere near the the defender that Anderson is at this stage. So that's another, that's another thing that I think has hurt them a little bit. And also not having Dylan Brooks for a good portion of the beginning of the season. Yeah. Again, injuries. You just had um, John Morant also going to be out for a little bit now um, with that knee sprain, which thank goodness it, I say that because it looked a lot worse than I guess it might ultimately end up being, but yeah, they've just been banged around and injured. Yeah. They played well when together, um, but that has been far and few between. And again, there's another team. They almost are like the West Coast version of Toronto for me in the sense that I thought that based off the moves they made, that they weren't going to be a team that was really, you know, they, they were going to be a good team, but they weren't like actively saying, oh, yeah, we're competing for a playoff spot. Like they were, you know, collecting assets, kind of figuring out their who's going to be their kind of foundational pieces aside from Morant and, and Jaron Jackson and and kind of going from there. Um, I thought that the trade to bring in Steven Adams and let go of Valentinus was like further uh, proof of that. 
But like they've also shown that when healthy, they're a very solid team. They just haven't had the chance to really have that sustained health so far this season. So I'm going to mention three teams in the East Corbin and feel free to talk about any of them that you'd like. But uh, these three teams, I would say, are, you know, at least for me, a little bit surprising in terms of how good they've been. The Bulls sitting at 13 and eight overall. They uh, they currently have the sixth best best net rating in the NBA, including the ninth ranked defense. That certainly is a surprise. Uh, And then, you know, the Charlotte Hornets sitting there at 13 and nine overall. And then also. The Washington Wizards. I I was pretty optimistic about Washington going into the season, but uh, you know I think they're even a little bit better than than I expected. The Wizards currently eighth in the NBA defensively, and I think uh, you know Wes Unsell Jr. doing a terrific job there. He is. He's gotten guys who commit to the defensive end, um, who can win in multiple ways. I mean, they've had some wins where they've grinded it out. Um, I think they had a nice win over Miami where like offensively they weren't super great, but they still were able to dig deep and 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 commit to the defensive side of the basketball. Um, you've had some great offensive performances as well. I think Bradley Beal's been just Bradley Beal, but Montres Howell's been solid. Um, I love the way that you've had Kyle Kuzma play in terms of giving just a little bit of everything, kind of a jack of all trades. I think in his last game, he had like 11 points, 12 boards and five assists, like just kind of impacting in multiple ways. You've had a guy who's been more of a table setter um, in a, in a Spencer Dinwiddie, good performances from Denny Avija. Like you've had a really solid team. And this is even with Davis Breton staying up the court, you know, Daniel Galford has been just a, a threat as an interior presence, you know, deterring shots at the basket. They've all come together really well. And I was high on Washington, not for the reasons that most were, I, I, still believe that you can credit the Washington Wizards for the trade they made and Tommy Shepard for the move that he made without denigrating Russell Westbrook. Um, They would have won the trade either way. I thought at worst it would have been a win-win because I didn't see how Washington could lose this where you make a trade that's basically a four for one bringing in, you know, KCP, um, um, Montrezl Harrell and Kyle Kuzma all filling positions of need for your roster and opens up spot for you to bring in a point guard who's a better fit for Bradley Beal in Spencer Dimby. Like, I didn't see a way that Washington lost that. It was only about whether or not the Lakers, you know, made the move. And I think nine times out of ten, like, if you look back on that, would the Lakers make that move again? Maybe, maybe not. That's a different story for another day. But, like, Washington, if you have the opportunity, you do, regardless. So I definitely am impressed with the way that Washington has played. Um, but it isn't a surprise for me. I think more of a surprise would be Chicago. Uh, Chicago's a team that I thought would be pretty good, but didn't think they'd be as good as they've been. And I love it because I'm a big DeMar DeRozan fan. And he has been just that guy. Uh, there was a great piece, I think, was done by uh, Sirat Sohi. I hope I said that right. Oh, yeah, Sirat Sohi. Yeah. Awesome. And it was um, about DeMar DeRozan playing the power forward position and how well that he's played there. He's even played 4% of his time at center this year, which is crazy. 69% of his minutes have been at power forward, and then 4% of his minutes have been at center. And, like, the ability for him to play good enough defense, shoot the three at a decent enough clip, and yet still go off, you know, pacing the bulls of playmaking and with his shooting, uh, especially down the, the clutch. We've seen him do that against Lakers, against the Clippers, against Toronto. Like, He's been that guy, even in a a close loss against Miami this weekend, he was still the guy who had like 14 of his like 28 points or whatever in the third quarter. Like DeMar DeRozan has been great. And I'm going to say this, maybe a hot take may not be, but he's in my top five MVP. I mean, he's having a, he's having a fantastic, fantastic season. And, you know, the Bulls, 
their offense is about where I thought they would be. I, I'm, I think uh, it sort of evens out because I think Vucevic really hasn't given them much at all. He's been out, obviously, some, and then also just struggled in the early going with his shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then DeRozan, with his career season so far, has, has really been able to uh, sort of balance that out. It's really the defense for me that I think is still likely to drop off a little bit. Uh, I'm willing to admit that I was probably too low on their defense. I was thinking it was going to be, you know, 20 to 25 range. And I could easily see this team, you know, finishing around league average by the end of the season at this point. Yeah. And that's even with the loss of Patrick Williams. Yeah. And, but I I will say another reason I was maybe a little less optimistic about the bulls to begin the season was their lack of depth. And given the Williams injury already, you know, if they were to, lose DeRozan or Levine for any extended stretch, I think it would be would be uh, pretty troubling for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, even with the fact that Levine's playing injured as of now with those torn ligaments in his hand, like, it definitely would be. Um, in fact, that kind of logic is exactly why I had Minnesota as low as I had them, because, you know, they, they're, 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 they're still top-heavy, you know? And they're very good when their guys are there, but if they lose those guys, who steps up, you know? I think that if you lose Levine, maybe you get Kobe White a couple of good games, but Kobe White is nowhere near the shoes of Zach Levine. The drop-off is so real, um, especially if DeMar DeRozan goes down for anything, because of how many different ways he is helping the Bulls kind of across the board excuse me so I'm totally with you on that so you know a couple teams that I have right at the top of this tier and before the season I had both of these in the dangerous playoff teams tier so they've gone down a little bit and that's the Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets the Mavericks in large part I think it's the you know Jason Kidd has been even worse than I thought (laughs) as far as like how much he could hurt this team they're 17th in offense right now mm-hmm. um, after being what like second and eighth the last two seasons so to be below league average on that end with Luka Doncic is uh, you know you almost have to try to to do that as the coach uh, and then the you know the Nuggets are 19th in offense and I think in part in part you know obviously Jamal Murray not being there doesn't help and then Michael Porter Jr. really struggling early and I think it was in large part because he was having those back issues and he's out indefinitely uh, so, you know, the, the offensive talent around Jokic is pretty limited now in, in Denver. And even Jokic has missed a few games. So, you know, both of those teams initially, I thought, again, given their, you know, their best players in, in Doncic and Jokic, I gave them a chance to, to make a conference finals. But now it's seeming less and less likely that's, that's going to happen. Yeah, I think just too many injuries have come up to bear. You know, you you would be fine. The Nuggets have kind of shown that they, they can sustain play um, or that they were at least able to sustain play without Jamal Murray and just kind of tread water behind you know, Nicole Jokic playing at MVP level. But then you lose your other, you know, main offensive threat in the one role that he was probably best in, in Michael Porter Jr., presumably maybe for the remainder of the season. And yeah, you know, that that is a definite hit for sure. Um, and one that might be kind of the death knell for the Nuggets in terms of a sustained postseason run. You know, um, it didn't help that you've also had Nicole Jokic out for a bit of time as well. So, yeah, it's just not really been good for them. Um, and I think it's just down to injuries, you know, a lot of the guys off the bench are having to assume more of a role, you know, um, Monte Morris has been solid. Um, you know, you have Composo as well, Austin Rivers, you have the Michael Green and especially Jeff Green, who I really would like on the Lakers or literally any of the team other than Nuggets, because he's still very effective in his role, even at 35. Um, but those guys weren't built to kind of carry the load they have now. Um, and 
that that is like the long and short of it really injuries straight up and it is unfortunate but i'm also with you like they're definitely gonna make the playoffs to me but like i think we're looking at like a first round exit or unless they get like a favorable portland matchup yeah it's it's really disappointing because i thought you know i i wasn't giving this a you know uh more than like a five to ten percent chance but there was still a thought to me okay if murray comes back and he's he's close to his, you know, bubble Murray self, that this team could be a, a true championship contender. But obviously with the Porter stuff, uh, the the uh, the Dozier ACL tear, mm-hmm. uh, there's just, you know, I think this team just, there's too much to overcome here uh, for them to to truly compete. And, and that's the scary thing. You know, you talk about, oh, they've got this young core of guys and, uh, you know, they're the, they're the team of the future. But like, you know, Jokic is, at his apex right now, uh, presumably. And, uh, you know, you never know. Uh, they, they could just be one of those teams that just are, are never healthy at the right time to truly give themselves an actual shot at it, which, you know, it's it's really sad. And, you know, again, not not saying that's definite at this point, but, again, each, with each passing season where injuries just, you know, prevent you from competing and having a chance, the, the odds of – the one year happening are, are just less and less likely. Exactly. And, that, and that's where, the, yeah, that's where, that's where they lie. And it sucks. It really does. Another could potentially be just how the, the hits, how the breaks fall. Another team that we look back as like a what if team, you know, just for stuff like this. Let's talk about the couple of teams that I have in the dangerous playoff team category and you have in the playoff hopefuls. And that's the, the, uh, the you had the Celtics and the Hawks in the playoff hopeful category, correct? Yes. Okay. So, both of these teams got off to really rough starts. I mean, Jason Tatum was, you know, shooting like 12% for the first couple of weeks. Uh, and then, you know, Clint Capella, I thought for Atlanta, was really struggling, not looking like himself in the early going. And, of course, Boston also didn't have Jalen Brown for an extended stretch. I think he missed eight straight games at one point. Um, but both of these teams sitting with, uh, you know, uh, okay records right now and a decent net rating Atlanta at a plus three net rating, which is 10th in the NBA Boston at plus 2.2, which is 13th. So my question for you, Corbin is, you know, given all of the injuries and issues and maybe struggles of the star players that we've seen from these two teams, you know, for them to be where they are right now, I almost think as a, as, as a positive indicator, even though, yeah, when you looked at it before the season, you know, if, if Boston was 10 and 10 after 20 games, you'd be a little disappointed, but given everything that they've gone through, I, I don't think it's too bad. And again, it's, it's all about peaking come playoff time as opposed to peaking in, uh, in November or December. Yeah. And I mean, maybe for Boston, I can kind of see that coming to play more for Atlanta. I am a little more down because not only are you looking at just, it was a weird kind of start. Obviously they're kind of finding their form, but if you look at the numbers, they're still taking a, a surprising low um, percentage of the shots, both from three and at the rim. Like a lot of it's mid range. You still have injuries, you know, Deandre um, Hunter out for a stretch. Now Cam Reddish and Bogdan Bogdanovich just left their most recent game against the Knicks. They're out for a minute now. So like, I don't look at the Hawks as a team that might get it all together. And, and, and plus let's look at it. You have a lot of guys, um, Mention Hunter, mention Reddish. You have Kevin Herter. You're looking at the extent of the, what the money coming in for Trey Young. Like there's a consolidation trade just waiting to happen. Um, it's not a matter of if, but just when. And when I bring all those into account, I just see Atlanta being kind of where they are. Like I don't see them peaking at the right time because I just not high on 
the constant injuries they have. This is a constant theme we've seen from the players who are out, the players who have been out. It's possible. I mean, we saw it happen last year, so it is very possible that it does. But I look at last year more of an aberration than like a consistent thing. And I look at them more in like that six to to 10 playoff area than I look at them in the one through four. That's a really good point. I hadn't really uh, looked at the stats on that, Corbin, but uh, yeah, the stats back up what you're saying. As far as uh, rim rim attempt frequency, last year they were 16th in the NBA in that stat. This year they're 24th. And then from three, last year they were 18th in three-point frequency. This year they're down to 26th. So, yeah, those are those are concerning. And, yeah, they're third in mid-range attempt frequency at 37.1. I will say with Trey Young uh, at the controls, they do a really good job of limiting turnovers. And they also are shooting a good percentage on all of their shots. So despite not taking, you know, they're kind of the, the opposite of the Houston Rockets, where Houston yep. is taking, I think, the, their number one in terms of expected field goal percentage, but last in actual field goal percentage. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta's kind of the inverse of that, where they're not taking the most efficient shots, but they're hitting a lot of the inefficient shots that they are taking. And that's cool. And I definitely get that. I guess my only pushback is that they are inefficient shots for a reason. Like, you know, eventually I think the regressing to the mean will happen, uh, especially since none of these guys, with the exception of maybe Trey Young, even I'm not really high on them, are like mid-range savants, you know? Like, if you told me that you had a DeMar DeRozan or, you know, uh, um, LaMarcus Aldridge, someone on their team, that like, yeah, those are still not efficient shots. But, like, they're comfortable taking them. Like, not comfortable taking them, because obviously the Hawks are comfortable taking these shots. But, like, they have the track record of, like, knock them down at a decent clip, then I'm like, okay, great. But I look at the person on the team, and yes, just because you can make them, and so far have, I just, if this is a hallmark of their team toward the end of the year, then I'll, I'll be, you know, call me impressed. You know, I just don't see it as of yet, and that's why I'm more down on them. Um, for Boston, I just look at them as a weird team. I think that, you know, they've had some they've had some early season struggles in locker room at first, of course, uh, not having, you know, the leadership I thought that was necessary. You had a little bit of backbiting in terms of um, Marcus Smart calling out, um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for not moving the ball enough. And, you know, both those guys disagreeing with the way it went, it went about and honestly so, but not a whole lot of changes. I think that you had when Jalen Brown went down, Dennis Schroeder has been playing well. Um, but as a Laker fan who watched the Dennis Schroeder experience, like there's a reason that he's on the contract is on right now. Like this is not something that he's like shown sustainable um, outside of like contract year, which I guess this could be the point being looking at Boston and, and, and their lack of like sufficient depth, in my opinion, um, you know, you've been looking at Aaron Naismith and and a lot of other guys um, that I've just not been impressed by to kind of soak up some minutes, and that's why I'm lower on Boston. Yeah, that's all fair. Uh, you know, as far as Atlanta, they they are fourth in offense currently. Their their biggest struggle has been on the defensive end. I believe they're 25th. Um, or actually, no, they're they're 20th right now and so they've they've moved up some as of late and I think a large part of that is Capella looking more like his uh his uh, all-star caliber self he's starting to protect the rim better um so you know yeah despite that inefficient shot profile the fact that they're they're a good shooting basketball team and Trey Young at the controls I think will will orchestrate a pretty effective offense and then if Capella can get this team back to close to league average on the defensive end I, I still think that is a is a is a recipe for a team that can that can make some noise come postseason. And then Boston, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. You know, the the chemistry seemingly hasn't been great, but to me also, I'm still just kind of going with the 
Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in a playoff series, you know, that's a, that's a pretty dynamic one, two punch that is going to be, you know, that I don't think a lot of teams are going to want to face come April. That's true. I mean, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I look at them very much, I guess the same way the Lakers, like, I don't think you want to face LeBron and AD, but this time, like you wouldn't mind it, you know, like you don't want to, but like, okay. Like, like you're not worried about them. Like you would be for different reasons. Like I think, uh, you have both talented individual players in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like you would not like they'd make games tough, but I think it'd be eerily similar to what we saw last year. Well, like, if you're I, a superior team, you will be a superior team. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we talked about the the Lakers being 23rd on offense and 23rd on defense. The Celtics currently 20th on offense and sixth on the defensive end. So. Uh, you know, they, they have a better profile right now as a basketball team, certainly than the Lakers do. Oh but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I see your point that uh, both teams kind of feel at times like they're a little bit lost. They don't know exactly what they want to be uh, on, uh, especially on the offensive end. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, you make a good point. You make a good point. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, again, I think we're at the stage of the season where, uh, you know, things are starting to normalize a little bit, but we had such crazy outliers. I think, you know, Atlanta was four and nine and now they're 11 and 10, you know, so, uh, True. you know, so it's like, OK, where are they if if they're going to keep on the pace of what they've been the last couple of weeks, you know, they might be five to 10 games over 500 by the time the midway mark of the season happens, you know, and mm-hmm. same with Boston. So. Um, that's why I think this is an interesting stage of the season because a lot of teams that got off to those rough starts have started to figure things out and vice versa. Uh, so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, was there any, was there, were there any other teams from this, uh, playoff hopeful category, Corbin, that you wanted to discuss before we move to the dangerous playoff team? Oh no, let's get to the dangerous teams. I'm ready. Okay, so we we just talked about two of my three that I have in this category, which is Atlanta and Boston. The only other team I have here is the Philadelphia 76ers. Wow, okay. Um, I have – well, you have – okay, so you have another tier between them and championship contenders, don't you? So I have seven in either the title favorites or title contenders tier. So I have seven teams in those two categories. But, yeah, just three here in the the dangerous playoff teams. And, again, to clarify – what this category means essentially it would not surprise me if any of those three teams the the hawks celtics or sixers made a conference finals but going beyond that i would uh, deem a little bit unrealistic okay see i did a little bit different okay cool i knocked out a tier so i don't have a dangerous playoff tier. i think we covered most of the team the only ones i do have um that would share your tier would be the 76ers um i have like an in the mix like i have two teams i wouldn't be surprised if they like make the finals and then I have teams I expect to, like, be contending for the finals. Okay. So the 76ers are in that, like, dangerous slash, like, like I wouldn't be – I guess we could basically say, like, I wouldn't be surprised to make the finals. I also would be surprised to make the conference finals. I'd put the 76ers there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if there's much to talk about with that. <laughs> no. Given that, uh, you know, Embiid has missed, the what, the last eight games. Yep, just came uh, back with 42, but they lost in a tight one. Yeah, and they started off the season really good offensively, and and Seth Curry was just lighting it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I, I kind of want to wait and see now that Embiid is back and uh, see where they are. But, I mean, I, I think they're a solid basketball team, even without Simmons and or uh, any players that's, that Simmons would be traded for. I, I still think they're solid. 
Um, if, if they're going to get into that title contender category, though, I do think they need to make a move and, and get somebody that can help them. I agree. So should we should we move on then to title contenders? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, they really well. Like, it's funny. Like, there really is no whole lot to say about something. Sixers, I think we check back in on the midseason and then there'll probably be more to talk about. Yeah. So in this category, I have three teams. So I actually have four in my title favorites category. Okay. So the three teams I have in title contenders, I've got the Utah Jazz at the very top of this category. I considered putting them in title favorites. They're right on the borderline, in my opinion. Then I've got the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Clippers. The, wait, the Clippers? I've got the Clippers here in, in part because, you know, ha- we haven't heard full news that Kawhi is out for the year, have we? No, we haven't, but like I thought it's been accepted that he is. I guess you're right. Like that, it's one of those things I guess like we haven't heard. But like from what for most accounts, I just feel like it's been like it hasn't been any noise that oh he's coming back. Now mind you, it might be one of those things where you don't hear any noise until it happens. Um, but yeah, I just assumed he was out. Like I they were in my where were they even at for me? They were in that glut of playoff contenders for me. So I, I guess I want to hear why you have them as high as you have them. Is it just for Kawhi? Well, I mean, they're second in the NBA in defense right now which, you know, I, I can't, I don't think can be ignored. Uh, they're playing, they're playing really good on that end of the floor, which is a little bit of a surprise given that Tyrone Lou is their head coach. He is not really known as a defensive coach, but you know, they've kind of, uh, I think have uh, recognized and we saw it a bit in the, uh, the Western conference finals last year. We saw them kind of go into that sort of scrappy defensive mode, try to grind out games at times and uh, what was it, that game three or four, I think was like an 83-82 game or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, the fact that they're second in defense, I think, is is really impressive. And, you know, they're, they're a little bit below league average on the offensive end. But, you know, if you bring even an 80% Kawhi into the fold and you can get maybe close to that top 10 range on the offensive end, I think that's a – that is a, a profile of a championship caliber team. Okay. I mean, I, I think defensively they've been solid. Like you said, you can't ignore it, and I don't want to ignore it either. I just think that they might struggle reliably to come up with offense. I'm, maybe I'm buying a little bit of a good teams like the Warriors, who we just saw, like, latest SmackDown. Like, 0-1 on Paul George. Let some of the iffier shooters attempt to make some shots. Um, and they have a superior offensive talent. Like, defensively, they're going to be enough to stay in games and keep them in. I just think that numbers, you know, all good. I don't know if they have enough to sustain themselves on the offensive end, um, at least to the territory of being a conference finals contender. Not this year, I don't. Now, if a quad comes back, a little bit different, um, but you need things to break right for the Clippers, the Clippers to sustain where they already are, and I think Kawhi to get back for me to look at them going, okay, that's the team, you know? Other than that, I look at maybe a, a tough second round out. Yeah, I guess the difference for me between, like, you know, the Clippers and the Nuggets, for instance – is at this point, Denver, especially with, with no Porter, they need Jamal Murray to, to not only come back, but to be 100%. They need, like, you know, elite Jamal Murray to compete at the highest of levels. Whereas the Clippers, I think, again, given what we saw from them in the postseason last year, if they get, like, you know, a B to B-plus version of Kawhi Leonard, I think that's enough to put them in the mix, especially given that I don't think we have – uh, I guess there are a few teams that, that might disagree with this, but uh, I don't think we have some team that's just a runaway favorite that it's like, oh, they're just a juggernaut. So in the West? 
I would say in the entire NBA, um, despite right the fact now, that, I got the well. I, I thought we talk about the Warriors and the Suns. They both look very like I've seen. Their numbers don't indicate that they aren't like the teams they've beaten. I mean, we can, let's talk about that in a second. I have two teams I think would would match what you just described, though. But I, I, I get where you're coming from completely. I do. I let me not cut you off any further than that. I just think like even with the Clippers, like it, right now, if they were to the playoffs were to start, they match with the Mavericks. I like. The, I just don't think they beat the Mavericks this year. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, they've beaten the Mavericks twice in a row, but that was with Kawhi. Um, and seven they, games both was it seven games one tough six games last time. Yeah, I, I mean, and KCP and um, Christopher Zingas playing arguably not arguably just objectively the best ball he's played in a Mavericks uniform this season. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think the Mavericks are as good, frankly, given their, you know, their offense is not nearly as uh, as efficient as under Kidd that it was under Carlisle. Uh, and that was the big issue with the Clippers. You know, the Clippers were able to score just fine against Dallas. It was dealing with the, the Mavericks offense that really made those really tight series. And uh, I... <laughs> I mean, I, I just, uh, I, I know it's, uh, it's kind of boring to just keep going in on Jason Kidd and saying, yeah, he's a terrible coach and he's killing this team, but that's just how I feel. No, no, he is. I will say this Mavericks one on the Clippers so far as roster stand. We'll see if the, what the playoffs change, but I think Luka Doncic has been pretty figured out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if like, I, I, I see where you're coming from and I get, I think you're right. Like, I don't think that, Jason Kidd is putting players in the best position to win. I think that we knew that when he was higher. At the same time, when I look at the quality of the play of the Luka Doncic, I, I, at a certain extent, I kind of think he is the system. Yeah. Um, That'll be fun to debate another time, though, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's uh, – and again, yeah, this the, the Clippers were at the bottom of this tier. They were, again, sim- borderline to, to being in the dangerous playoff team category. And again, oh, yeah. it's uh, – um, depended on Kawhi Leonard returning. If he doesn't return, they obviously are not title contenders. Of course. <laughs> no, I'm so, with you, man. So uh, let's talk about the other. I don't know. Do you have the Jazz and Heat in this category as well? Or yep. Okay. So let's talk about them. Which which one do you want to talk about first? Um, The Heat. I think the Heat have a better chance than the Jazz do Um, in the East, I guess. I don't know. I think the West, if I have to rank, again, I'm very, I mean, I, I think with good reason, I'm very high on the Suns and the Warriors right now. Um, I look at the Jazz like clearly below them, not very far below them, but like I don't put them in the same breath as them. Um, I don't even think they would, just considering the last loss they had before they beat down the Pelicans. They're dealing with, even the players said they're dealing with the same issues they've had in years past. Can they work it out? Yes. Are they a superior team than most? Yes. But like the Warriors and Clippers, or the Warriors and uh, Suns are just different right now. But the Heat to me are interesting kind of case study because they're a team that. I thought would be in the precipice anyway, as constructed. I didn't know. I didn't trust their offense long-term. There's still moments I really don't trust their offense. Like, who is that guy? Um, I wasn't very high on just the consistent offense production of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, um, which looked dumb, I'm sure, at the time. But I think it's kind of bearing root in certain games because neither of them are great outside shooters. And you have Kyle Lowry, who is, like, their best outside shooter, but also some guy who's – he's not consistently taking them in, in moments. I think he's still trying to, like, pick his spots. Um it's more of an egalitarian style of play right now. I think leading leading scoring is Jim Butler at just 23 points per game, then Tyler Hero at 21. Um, and then you have Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, and Duncan Robinson, and that's the end of your double-digit scoring. I like the defense, though. You know, you've had some, some understated offensive production from a guy like P.J. Tucker. Um, this is a team that currently sits 
fourth in defensive rating and eighth in offensive rating. So even if I don't like it, like they've shown that it's worked pretty well. I don't know. They're just kind of a grinded out team. Like there's nothing glitzy about them at all, but they make it happen. And, you know, talent wise, I mean, they, they're coached by one of the greats. Eric Spolster put just together a, just a sublime, like, ATO against the Chicago Bulls to really seal that game. Like, they have the talent, they have the coaching, they're just a boring team, but I think that they should be there. Yeah, I mean, the Heat, uh, no one really questioned uh, questioned their defense going into the season, and they're, and they're elite there. They're fourth in the NBA. The, the surprise is that they're, they're eighth in offense, and a big part of that is Tyler Hero, of course, showing up and, and being a contender for not only sixth man, but most improved player. And then also I was expecting just given the age, maybe a little bit of a decline in Jimmy Butler's offensive game, but he's having mm-hmm. another fantastic offensive season. They're, they're doing, they're, they're having a lot of their success through getting to the free throw line, which is one of Jimmy Butler's strengths. And then also attacking the offensive glass, their sixth and offensive rebound rate. So uh, they're, they're manufacturing, uh, you know, a, a decent to, to good offense to, to go with their elite defense. And, and that's a, that's a scary combination. And yeah, I would not want to play that group of guys in a seven game playoff series. I mean, over under like five or six fights per series when you've got Jimmy, <laughs> Butler, Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker and, and Bam out there. True. True. No, it, it, at the very least, there's going to be several confrontations. I will say that for sure. <laughs> At the um, very least, yeah. So, so the Heat, uh, I, uh, I, I think they've they've outperformed my expectations and and look legit. Um, you know, you you seem to be a little bit down on the Jazz. I feel like this is a this is a pretty common thing. You're a little bit lower on the Jazz than I am, but I, I'm looking at the Jazz net rating. They're plus eleven point three, which is second in the NBA. I still, you know, I picked them initially to come out of the Western Conference. I'm still very very high on them. And again, I was I was seriously considering putting them in the in the title favorites category, but some of these other teams I think just have a little bit more. The, the teams that I did end up putting in the title favorites group just have a little bit more star power and have maybe shown that they've done it before. But uh, you know, I, I think Utah is legit, and you know they've missed Rudy Gay for most of the season. But in the, the little time that he has played, he's looked good in the Jazz system. Uh, you know, I, I'm still a I'm still a big fan of what Utah can do. I mean, for me, it's simple. I've had the Jazz the second round team the last couple of years. They haven't disappointed me yet. Why disappoint me now? <laughs> <laughs> it's about as simple as that for me. Like they find a way to make me look good. I wish they were the Lakers. They'd always achieve what I'm looking for. Like it's always something. I think I, I think they're a team that for me, the regular season, they're all well and good. They're like the Milwaukee Bucks the last couple of years. Until they like pass the hurdle, I'm I, I have no reason to believe they're any better than they were before, aside from Rudy Gay, who I think has been solid, but also is just coming back. And I'm not willing to put all of the jazz title chances, you know, or not even title chances, but saying, yeah, can Rudy Gay win them around? I think so, maybe. You know, I mean, he certainly helped the Spurs in the postseason. Well, not the postseason, but, like, the playing game most recently. And he's a guy who can definitely have an impact. But uh, I don't think he's enough for me to change the way I felt about them. And the Jazz, quite honestly, haven't done anything to me to change the way I felt. So I have them where they are. I think they're a very good team. Um, solidly coached and, and, and just well done. But there's teams that are better. And I just trust those teams more, quite frankly. Yeah, and again, I think for me, a lot of the the Jazz postseason struggles just comes down to 
you know, injuries where a couple of years ago in the bubble, they didn't have Bogdanovich and that seven game loss to the Nuggets. And, uh, you know, they didn't have Mike Connolly the first couple games of that series either. And then in that uh, in that conference semifinals against Clippers, the Clippers, I know L.A. didn't have Kawhi Leonard, but, you know, Utah didn't have Mike Conley. And he's a he's a crucial player for them as well. And, and Donovan Mitchell was dealing with an ankle injury also. So, uh, you know, my thought is if if they actually get to a postseason series healthy, they're they're going to be really, really tough to beat because they are elite on both ends of the floor. And yeah, are there certain matchups like what the Clippers presented last year that, that caused them problems? Absolutely. But uh, I still I still trust a team that is elite on both ends of the floor and uh, has the shot creator in Mitchell and the defensive presence in Gobert. But uh, let's get to let's get to the title favorites category then. And so do you have four in this category as well? Yeah, um, for me, what it is Warriors, Nets, Bucks and Suns. Yep, and it's really Warriors, Suns, Nets, and Bucks. Yeah, so we're in agreement there. Do you have that in a particular order or no? Yeah, Warriors, Suns, Nets, and Bucks. Okay, so I've got it as uh, Bucks, Suns, Warriors, Nets. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So. The um, the Nets, you know, when before the season started, I actually had them in a tier of their own as the title favorites. But th- that was before, of course, the Kyrie news and uh, seeing James Harden struggle so much at the beginning of the year. But I've seen enough signs of James Harden starting to get back to form. He's still been pretty inconsistent, but you're starting to see more explosion from him. And, uh, you know, again, just him and KD, I think, is, is pretty lethal. They've been better defensively than expected, a little bit worse offensively. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I trust Steve Nash. They, the roster is a little bit of a question mark now. You know, I think losing Shamit and replacing him with just a bunch of guys that can only play center is not great. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're still in this category again, you know, Durant arguably playing at a at an mvp level yeah no I, I mean they they are a solid team i think they are finding their footing i'm worried about james harden uh who just just had a total bugaboo uh game against the suns and just a totally out of it um and it's had moments of that like you think he's coming together and then moments where you know it's one and nine shooting from three you know six of 18 shooting from the field for no other reason than yeah is it kind of the rule change yeah i'd imagine so but like james harden was I would say a solid all-star shooting guard before the rules made it so that he was like a walking, you know, 10 free throw attempt guy anyway. And yet for some reason, the regression has been there. Um, and he also says, and that is not the hamstring injury. It also doesn't look like the hamstring injury. It looks like maybe some decline there. Um, at the same time, you've had, I think, great offense account. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge came out of retirement as if he never left. He looks actually more spry than he did just playing um, before. Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant, MVP candidate, playing sharp. Patty Mills has been a great addition to them. Uh, the addition of DeAndre Bembry into the starting lineup has helped with some defense as well along the perimeter. Uh, yeah, they're not like the perfect team to me. Um, they're definitely not the Suns or Warriors, but they're a team up there as well that I am high on. All right, let's get to those uh, couple of teams you're you're very high on. Uh, let's let's talk about the Suns first. And uh, they're what now on like a 15, 16, game, 16 game win streak. Yeah, beat the Nets. Right. Crushed them. So uh, they're they're on a great run. And, you know, I kind of expected th- them in Utah. I kind of expected them to have 
really good offensive seasons. And given the net rating and records, it seems correct that uh, that they're going to have, uh, you know, 50 plus win years. And, and in part, it's just, you know, you've got quality players, you've got a system in place, you've got chemistry, you know, that's, that's just a perfect recipe for regular season wins, right? Oh yeah, no, most definitely. And also defensively, they're third in defensive rating. Yeah. Um, just remarkably solid. In fact, Tuesday's game against the Warriors is going to be very, very fun because you have the Suns sitting at fifth in offensive rating, third in defensive rating, and then you have the Warriors sitting second in offensive rating, first in defensive rating. Like, like, and I, I hate to cobble, I don't hate to cobble two teams together. I know we're focusing on Phoenix right now, but you do have that continuity. But the additions that have been brought in have been great. JaVel McGee has been an amazing uh, piece for Phoenix, not only stepping up when DeAndre Ayton's been out due to injury, but being a perfect backup for him as well when he's not played. You know, you've had um, Devin Booker after a slow kind of shooting start really find his form. Chris Paul's been great from the jump. Mikel Bridges has been solid, even though his offensive production has been, you know, kind of surprising in terms of not being what was expected. Frank Kaminsky's come in and given big minutes. Landry Sham has been shooting the three ball at a pretty good clip. Like, you've had just a solid team like this is a very good offensive defensive team with a method of winning that seems sustainable and you have a 16 game uh streak to back that up having had 15 games in 26 days against a variety of competition it doesn't matter there's one constant they win um and yeah i just look at them as like clearly heads and heads and just head above um well everything we've talked about here with the exception of the warriors so i look at it as equals so, yeah, I mean, one one thing that I think is a positive indicator is the three-point shooting of Devin Booker. He's up to 42% this year after shooting 34% uh, last season. And, you know, he's a little bit down on mid-range. He's at 46% after shooting at 50% last year. But, you know, I, I think I, I think most uh, – I think the Suns would take that trade-off, you know, having, yeah. having yeah. him a little bit more prolific from downtown – makes this team a little bit more dangerous and, and no one's going to stop thinking that Devin Booker can beat them from the mid range either. You know, he's, he's got that level of respect. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think that's a, that's pretty significant. And then also, you know, I think Shamit and JaVale McGee have been excellent fits with that second unit. Um, You know, Shamit shooting the ball. Well, uh, he, he just does what the Suns want their players to do, which is just make quick decisions, whether that's to shoot, pass, or drive. He keeps the ball moving. And JaVale McGee sim- can play a similar role as DeAndre Ayton, where he's that role man, provides that rim gravity, sucks in the defense, creates the three-point looks. And he's, he's unselfish in that way. He's always been willing to make those runs, even if he isn't going to get the lob pass. And, uh, yeah, I think those guys have made the bench even stronger. And it's funny to me because, like, you know, the West, especially, you know, if Kawhi doesn't play, if, you know, this postseason, if if the Dallas Mavericks aren't a serious contender given the, the struggles they've had under Kidd, if the Lakers aren't, a, aren't maybe in the playoffs or are, uh, you know, are eliminated early, all of a sudden there's not a lot of teams that I think the, the one weakness or the, the one – fear I would have as the Suns is dealing with those real big forwards, right? The LeBrons, the Giannis's of the world. That's fair. But there might not be many of those in the, in their path in the Western conference this year, but you know, there is all, there is always the fear that uh, Giannis will loom come, come the NBA finals. But what I, what I think is important about that is with a Shamit, you know, we, we saw a lot, we've seen lineups where they're playing, 
you know, Cameron Payne, Shamit, and Devin Booker at the one, two, and three, you know, mm-hmm. and being able to play Devin Booker or a Shamit at the three is really helpful because it, it helps their offense. And then if there's not anybody to really be concerned about matched up on the defensive end, they, they can get away with it. They can do that as well. That's true. They're versatile in that way. Um, and again, a lot of that comes into identifying weaknesses in the offseason and, and making moves that kind of patch those gaps in a way that's conducive to team success, even, you know, when players that are constant on the team have had down games. And you're right, the addition of uh, Landry Shaman entirely, I was definitely down on, but he's been great. He's been solid, and that's all Phoenix needed. And I mean, look, their record, I look at their games, I look at the teams they've played, I look at the wins they've gotten, it's sustainable to me. Um, do I look at them going like whatever record, crazy, like 65 and 15? No. I think they'll be like, you know, 62 and 20 or something like that. But like the point being, they're, this is this is them. They're for real. And I don't know, at this point in time, like I'm taking what I've seen, the body of work that I've seen right now, and I just trust it. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the teams that they might face come postseason. We, you talk about the Golden State Warriors. They don't really have, uh, you know, they, they have Andrew Wiggins who can score, but, you know, you're not concerned putting Mikel Bridges on Andrew Wiggins. No. Utah, the Utah Jazz, you know, they don't have some some really powerful wing score either. You know, if, if again, if Kawhi is not there, you're not super concerned about the Clippers. You know, Paul George, you, again, I think Mikel Bridges is a good option on George. Uh, so, so most of the teams, it seem, seems in their path, they, they don't really have uh, any matchup issues. I think they match up well with just about anybody other than potentially the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, it's interesting. And I mean, honestly, I, 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 even with the Bucks, I'm more of a wait and see. I mean, they've been banged up and going through some things, and we'll kind of see how they – I mean, right now they're there for a reason. They won the championship. They don't have to answer for Giannis. But um, I like Phoenix. I think they're better built than they were last year. Well, yeah, let's talk about Milwaukee because you seem a little bit down on them, whereas I'm kind of like they've they've had a bunch of absences and, you know, a lot of guys have, uh, you know, missed a good chunk of games. Middleton has missed like I think at least eight games. Holiday's missed at least six. Brooke Lopez has played in just the opener. Uh, and, and, of course, they haven't gotten anything from uh, DiVincenzo yet. And uh, hopefully at some point he will uh, he will return. So my thought is, you know, it's just we just got to wait and see. But we know what this team is. We know what we know who Giannis is. He's looked really good. We know who Bud is. We know who Middleton and Holiday are. You know, I, I'm I'm still very confident that this team is one of the best teams in the NBA once they get healthy. I guess I should say if they get healthy. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm still very optimistic. I would still I, I would probably favor them over the Nets based on what I've seen, especially if Brooklyn doesn't get Kyrie back at any point. Um, so you know, if you're the favorite out of the East, I still think you got a pretty darn good shot of of winning the whole thing. I, I, I see where you're coming from with that. Uh, definitely going to understand that. For me, I don't know. I'm, I, a lot of it, especially so early in the season, is taking what I've seen so far with what I where I had them last year. Um, I had the Bucks one of the best teams in the West. I didn't have them as one away at all to win it. I had the Nets to do that. Um, we saw the playoff series that happened there. Nets injuries. There we go. Like, Milwaukee was better. Boom. Bringing them in the same mix. They've had injuries. I have to take them into account. Like, it, to, to the extent that they didn't seem like runaways to me when the season started. They haven't been runaways either. Um, they've had really good games. They've had not so good games of injuries. And 
they're just kind of there, you know, like they're, they're, uh, they're a championship contender. There's no reason for me to like swing on, Oh, when they're healthy. No, the Suns and warriors have proven it. I think the Suns have gotten better. The warrior, the bucks were better last year than the Suns. I don't think it was by like a demonstrative amount. Um, and I think the Suns have gotten better and I think they've shown it so far. Yeah. They haven't been doing the injuries and the, the bucks have, but like, I'm, can't discount one the way the Suns have played two where they were last year three the fact that they did get better um is it enough to overtake Milwaukee no but I think it's enough to have a conversation um for sure um and the Warriors I, I'm kind of in un, uh, unspoken territory here with the Warriors because I'd not have them this high going into the season like they jumped from championship contender to they were in playoff contention for me to championship contention because I'm like whoa like no they definitely gelled like the bench pieces that came in have just done amazing. Steph Curry is still on the exact same chair he was last year. Um, you know, Draymond Green has still been very competent defensively, and you're actually getting Wiseman and you're actually getting Clay Thompson back. Like, I guess I'm doing to the Warriors what you've done to the Bucks. Like, if they get healthy, you know, when they get healthy, whatever the case may be, like this team could be a scary team. And the Warriors for me, I, it's a lot of like what I've seen and also like where they are in rankings. But I, this is the one team for me that I've had to like kind of go against the way I've been grading these teams because I did not have the Warriors this high. And so it was taking a little bit of like drastically like redirecting, but for the Bucks, yeah, if I had to put them, like I have them still, I have the, I, I would argue, you know, I could definitely be swayed and in some ways you've swayed me to have them third um, over the Nets for sure. Because the Nets without Kyrie, I think the Bucks are just better. Um, I think you're going to have, you still don't have anyone to guard Kevin Durant. That's great. But that's like the same where I think the Suns don't have anyone to guard Giannis. It doesn't mean that they're not a better team, you know? Um, so that's what I have them. I'd say the Nets will be fourth. You've talked me to that. The Bucks will be third, but I'm just not comfortable putting them above either the Suns or the Warriors who have proven right now that they are the better teams. Yeah. The, the Bucks Suns thing is fascinating because you're right. I mean, it was an incredibly tight series. It went six games and what games four through six were all, you know, possession games in the last couple of minutes mm -hmm. so you know yeah obviously that was a, an extremely competitive series and and you're right to say that the suns are, are arguably better um i would i would argue though that they might be worse in terms of dealing with Giannis, given that they do not they basically replace tory craig with landry shaman i think shaman is a better player than craig but not a necessarily a better matchup for, oh, yeah. for the greek freak of course um, but, but yeah, if you wanted to say the Suns are better than the Bucks right now and you would pick them in a series, I, I wouldn't have too much of a disagreement. So let's, let's get to the Warriors then because uh, you seem very excited to talk about this team and you've got them very high up in your, in your list. And, of course, they've, they've got the best record in the NBA, the best net rating as well at positive 13.8. Sheesh. Uh, so they have been dominant. And I think a big part of it, you know, they – they, they struggled offensively last year, but they did build up a, you know, a defensive type of culture there. And with Draymond Green leading the way, they've improved that even more in part because they've improved their defensive rebounding, which I think has just been a, a commitment from, from all five guys to, to box out and get on the defensive glass. And given that they, they usually do play a little bit small, uh, being a good defensive rebounding team has has been a major key why they went from say like eighth in defense last year up to I believe they're they're number one uh, right now. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the other thing is yeah we you know plenty of people have talked about this but just having guys that fit their system in the likes of uh, in the likes of Bielitsa and Iguodala and Otto Porter Jr. and just playing some of their guys that they know are good and 
And frankly, not having Wiseman, I think, has helped. Uh, him returning, I think, is actually going to hurt them if they if they play him significant minutes. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they, and Steph has been has been fantastic. Jordan Poole has been has been good as a sort of a volume scorer, and uh, they've also, you know, utilized Gary Payton in a, in a really neat way, yep. sort of in the same way the Nets have, have used Bruce Brown in seasons past. And I would have thought that, oh, you know, playing playing Peyton and, and Draymond Green together would be a spacing issue. But given the again, the the passing, the the movement, the uh, the the basketball IQ that those guys have, they've made it work and they've maintained an elite offense and have uh, have have been an elite defense as well. So, yeah, you know, you talk about this team does not have Clay Thompson yet and they're putting up these kinds of numbers. They absolutely have to be a championship contender. And, uh, you know, I, I'm still a little bit lower that, you know, I, I still would probably pick Phoenix uh, over them, but I think it's a, it's a conversation now. I mean, listen, we'll have our first chance to see that on Tuesday, our second chance to see that on Friday. Can't I think wait. it'll be fun. Can't wait oh, I'm things. excited, dude. That would be, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm excited. Absolutely. For sure. And if one of those are a league pass game, I don't think that they are. That'll be a fun game to do a little, a little, a little conversation for. Definitely a debrief after. But to go on to what you said, you kind of covered it so eloquently. I really don't have anything to add to it. Um, I, I would, I would agree with you. I'd put the Suns ahead of them just because. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm more excited about the Warriors because I just didn't see this. You know, like I, they obviously shown they made the great, the, the right decision keeping Gary Payton over Avery Bradley, who, like, although was starting for the Lakers, like Gary Payton is probably in the best position. Um, with Golden State that can mitigate his offensive weaknesses, but also like highlight his defensive um, strengths and to maximum effect, to maximum damage. You know, you have Juan Toscano Anderson getting back in rotation, playing well as well. And the Manu B leads has done well. You know, you've had Otto Porter, who's just been a great kind of um, lineup and locker for them. Andrew Wiggins playing just solidly as before. All of it, of course, anchored by Steph Curry, who has not been injured, thank goodness, and has been on an absolute tear. So, like, they have to be second just because I did not see this coming at all. I thought they'd be like a dangerous team and they are dangerous, but just not the way I thought they would be. Um, and so, yeah, I want to see them matched up against, you know, the Suns and a healthy Bucks team to like really cement where they are. And of course, having Clay Thompson would be great. I don't even think that having James, well, I think having James Wiseman would be great. Not because I would hope that they don't put him in a starting lineup, but just to have him available. You know, when they do get smaller times, they just need someone to rebound. You know, I think that having the time there to, and they've gang rebounded, done a good job there, but just having available size that isn't Kaban Looney would be good for them. Um, as well as someone who I think has been the system enough, having another year of seasoning that wasn't just thrown to the fire like he was last year, not last year, last year, and like, okay, you're the guy. Like, that didn't really make any sense. I think he should be, like, deployed in a much more uh, reasonable fashion this year uh, because you have much more better players, you know? And, like, I think that it can be true that the talent of Wiseman is there and also that he's not, like, the best option for Golden State if they want to win. Um, and balancing that, I think, can be done. And I think if there's any guy that can do that with the available complement of players that's on their team, I think it is Steve Kerr. So I'm just hopeful for them to have a fully healthy team and see where it goes from there. Because even Clay Thompson, I mean, he's going to be worked back. He's not starting, you know. You have Andrew Wiggins at the three right now. You have um, Jordan Poole who's been great at the two. You know, he's not going to just come in and take either of those two guys and you have to figure out how to work that rotation around. So there's going to be a, ro- a rotation kind of um, like fluctuation or, or switch up regardless. I'm just intrigued to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I mean, this may be a hot take, Corbin, but I don't actually think, you know, James Wiseman, I mean, he should 
as the number two overall pick just a year ago, he should be an upgrade over a guy like Kevon Looney, but I'm not sure he is. Whoa. That's, I, uh, I think I, that I, is a little spicy, my friends. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I may be a little bit higher on Kevon Looney than the average person as well, but uh, you know, he's, he's played, you know, not a ton of minutes, but he's played minutes for a championship team in the past. Like Looney can act, actually knows what he's doing. He's sound positionally. He's a good box out guy. He's extremely limited on the offensive end, but um, you know, it's not all Draymond green as to why this team is the number one defense in the NBA right now. Um, and, and uh, Wiseman still has a lot to learn as far as positioning and, and all of that and learning team sets and, and tendencies and all of that. But um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the, the other thing that I think is, is really impressive about the Warriors is they've really in one offseason been able to um, manufacture, even like they, they had a game against Detroit earlier this year where Steph and Draymond sat out and they were able to win the game. You know, Jordan Poole, I think, put up 34 points in that game. Yep. And, uh, you know, they were able to get, you know, with Bielitsa, with Iguodala, with Otto Porter Jr., they're able to get just enough offense, playmaking, and defense without their couple of stars, whereas la- the last couple of years, it feels like if those two are out, the Warriors were just automatically losing by 40. Oh, yeah. They were instantly toast. The upgrades around the team have proven that. Like you said, it's it drastically changed how they look. I think they were a plus um, for minutes that Seth's been off the court uh, for a good stretch of the season so far. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like, a lot of it has come down to the moves they've made to around the margins that, you know, I wasn't too hot. I'm like, how are you going to take, you know, just be elite to Otto Porter and, 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 and a couple other guys and make this like a team that's where they are. But lo and behold, here they are. And it remains to be seen if they can sustain that, but they're definitely a championship contender regardless of where in the tier they are. You know what my dream scenario in the Western conference uh, is Corbin what? is we get Kawhi back and we have a Western conference semifinals that features the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Whoa. That would be fun. Inject it right into my veins. That would be, dude, that would be magical basketball. That would be fun. That's 100%. Yep. And all teams somewhere in there. Yeah. I would, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I would probably sell out the Clippers to Lakers for my own personal dream. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me talking. But we're no, trying to we're trying to get good teams matched up with each oh, other. Oh wow! I walked right <laughs> into that one. No one to blame but myself for that. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, that that's what I would like for sure. Well, yeah. Was there anything else uh, that you wanted to discuss before we we wrap up here? We've we've gone for quite a while. This has been fun. Oh no, dude! I've been missing this. This has been fun. I have nothing really more to add. Just excited to kind of see where this is. We check back in a couple weeks time. See where teams have you know risen or fallen. Uh, just, I can't wait to stand for my, uh, you know, 26 and how many wins they have losses, 26 and 13 Los Angeles Lakers, you know, <laughs> um, come a couple weeks from now, they go on this crazy streak. Um, but no, there's been a lot of fun, Garrett, definitely just good basketball. We've seen some interesting teams for sure. And it's going to be just curious to watch how this all continues to unfold. Well, I guess just, uh, before we wrap up here, I'll mention that, uh, you can check out on, on my Twitter I've got some. Uh, I've got a written piece on Evan Mobley, and I've got another piece that I'm. Uh, I started working on Corbin. You'll be excited about this on uh, another rookie, Scotty Barnes. So, oh, uh, I am going to uh, going to put that out on my blog as well. Again, I've got that as my pinned tweet on Twitter, yes. so you can check that out. But uh, Corbin, this, uh-huh. this this was an absolute blast. 
you know, what's what uh, what do you have uh, coming up for, for people here in the near future? Oh, man, I have things cracking, you know, eggs potentially in the balance there for sure. <laughs> Podcasting like that is where it's at. You can find me on Twitter for just general ramblings uh, at Corbin NBA. If you want to hear actual rambling like you did here, um, all you can find my podcast Round Ball Ramble um, as well. Uh, listen, also a plug for Garrett's blogs. Seriously, the guy's a great writer, uh, as great as he's a podcaster. Detail is there. Uh, topics that don't immediately spring to mind that you really want good deep dive detail into. You want to talk to Garrett or you want to read his blog. So definitely make sure to do that. And it's not exclusively just basketball, is it, sir? No, we uh, there's uh, there's some year end movie lists and TV lists, and uh, you know I'm, I'm also I'm also in the process of, uh, of of working on those as well. I'll probably have those out in uh, January sometime, uh, okay. where I, I literally rank everything i watched from a from a film standpoint from from worst to best and uh, get the rating and a little snippet as well and so. see that analysis it's it's deep dive it's fun and i think i'm just sorry i had to take this. i feel like this is my kanye moment here i just I, i'm gonna let you finish but no i just feel like it's an underrated um part of his content that y'all would really enjoy it's a treat definitely make sure to do that so at corbin mb on twitter and garrett's blog absolutely all right no, i'm not well, I appreciate that, Corbin. And uh, yeah, thanks again, of course, as always, for, for coming on and taking the time. Oh, dude, you know it's a treat, always. Thanks for listening to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. Corbin Ford and Garrett Bouguet here with you. And uh, just wanted to, to quickly say before we wrap up, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review Duncan Dynasty. We're on, uh, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, wherever you get your, uh, your podcast. That is uh, much appreciated. You can find me, on uh, Twitter at Garrett Bouguet. Corbin, why don't you tell the people what you got going on? Oh, man, you can find me on Twitter at Corbin MBA. Uh, definitely make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. I mean, follow me is just an afterthought here. But if you want some more NBA content from yours truly, uh, check out Round Ball Ramble. Um, it is my podcast. You can also find uh, the description uh, on my Twitter handle, on my on, once you click on my Twitter handle. Uh, definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, a bunch of other um, assorted pods. I love talking hoops just like my friend Garrett does. So you know where to find me there. That's the main part to catch my work. Yeah, can't recommend Round Ball Ramble enough. Corbin does goes, does great stuff there, and I've appeared on it numerous times and uh, <laughs> hopefully will be uh, continuing to appear on it in the future. Again, we appreciate you all for listening and, of course, enjoy the next week in the NBA calendar.